Last week I talked to you about the, uh, the man who was healed at the temple in Acts chapter 3. Now I want to use the same text this morning but speak from another angle. I won't talk about the man who was healed. I did last week. I told you about the enthusiasm and commended his enthusiasm to the church. His strength, how that he stood and his progression and his entering in and his praising the Lord and all those things I recommended to you last week. Now today I want to talk not about the man who was healed but the man who brought healing to him. And I will read the text the same as last week Acts chapter 3, the first nine verses. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, that is. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking, and saw him and heard him praising God. Amen. What a wonderful chapter Acts chapter 2 is. It begins with about 120 people being in an upper room in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit was outpoured. Now, the Holy Spirit always was, and always was in this world. In the first chapter of the book of Genesis, in chapter uh, and verse 1 and 2, there is the story there how that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then, throughout the whole Testament, here and there, upon certain individuals, and in uh, different circumstances, the Holy Spirit revealed himself and did wonderful things by his power. But it, it remains that it was on the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, in the upper room in Jerusalem, that the Holy Spirit, in a way never before known, was poured out upon the disciples. The prophecy of Joel came to pass, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. That happened on the day of Pentecost. Following the, uh, the tremendous thing, they, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues and the noise thereof spread throughout all Jerusalem. And very soon, thousands of people were congregated listening to what was going on at the upper room. Now that in itself is an amazing thing. In the old city of Jerusalem, now, I know, of course, that we're not talking of the, the, the city of David uh, at that day, but it is, it is comparable. In the old city of Jerusalem, however, thousands of people could gather together in those narrow, lane-like streets is beyond me. 
But gather they did. Peter got up to preach in his own native language, and so did the eleven other apostles. And uh, the result was that that day alone there were 3,000 or more saved, born-again, baptized believers. And the church began. And then uh, every day the church grew. The Bible says that the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. Until when we come to chapter 3, the church in Jerusalem was already thousands of people strong, many thousands, well on its way to becoming a church with somewhere near 20,000 members in the church in Jerusalem. Not at this time, but on the way there. What a great church it was. And we come, for instance, to verse 45, or verse 44. All these believers had all things in common. This is chapter 2. And verse 45, they sold their possessions. And everyone who was in need, uh, their needs were met by those who had something to give. A wonderful church. And then we come down to verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to the church, I say, daily such as were being saved. And every day they were... <coughs> excuse me. Every day they were in the temple... And they were in house to house, breaking bread, and having fellowship, and learning the doctrines uh, of the revelation that God was giving to those who were their leaders. Wonderful church. And then we come to chapter 3. Now chapter 3 puts a whole new accent upon the church. And before I go to it, do let me say that it's so very easy for churches and many, perhaps, I dare say, most churches have not yet come to chapter 3. <clears throat> they are still in the chapter 2. One of the sad things of the last few years in the church of the Lord Jesus is the mega church, where churches are being considered to be, <coughs> they have been considered and judged by their sizes. And so a church with many thousands was a good church, a great church. And I've heard people say that a church that has got no more than 50 or 70 or 80 or 100 people over years, I've heard them uh, just about infer to that church being backslidden and the pastor himself being backslidden and out of touch with God. That's not the case. Indeed, some of the churches that have no more than 100 in attendance are far better churches than those who have the thousands. That is not necessarily uh, the case per se, but it may well be. You see, it is so easy for Christians and churches to become what the end of Acts chapter 2 was and turn their fingers into themselves, growing within themselves, praising within themselves, uh, having fellowship within themselves. But we must come to Acts chapter 3. You cannot end the Bible at Acts chapter 2. In fact, not only are you not allowed to, uh, to put an amen at the end of Acts chapter 2, but you will notice, reading through the Word of God, that at the end of uh, Acts chapter 28 and verse 31, that is the end of the book. But there's no amen there. There is no amen to the end of the Acts of the Apostles. The Spirit of God never did say that he was finishing. He's still working now as he did then. And to stop at the end of Acts chapter 2 is, 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 is very, very sad. 
we must not become subjective in our worship and in our praise and in our serving God. By that I mean we must not be concerned with ourselves only, building up our church here, doing something for this church here and making it a big church. No, I thank God the bigger this church becomes the better. But we must always be objective in our revelation. We must know that the church is bigger than the four walls of our sanctuary. That the church is bigger than the name of our church and bigger than the name of our denomination. We are not going to heaven wearing a tag called Assemblies of God. We are going to heaven not wearing a button called South Hills Assembly of God. We are going to heaven because we are born again of the Spirit of God. From whatever church or denomination we may come, knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior is the only thing that really matters. We must go beyond the... uh, the, 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 the buildings and the, the measurements of our own church. Now, let me say that it is not in any sense clapping ourselves on the back, but we have attempted to do that. Over the years, people have told me that they are leaving the church, and whilst I have not been happy with that, I pointed out to them that God is bigger than our church. Thank God. And we have, by the grace of God, we have been deliberately and also not accidentally, but not deliberately also, churches have opened from this church. And we have fostered uh, other churches and birthed other churches. And something is going to happen on April the 11th, the 7th. April the 7th, a new outreach of this church is going to begin. Uh, Pastor Schaefer and Marge, and some others of the church, and you are invited to join them, talk to them, and they will, they will talk to you about it. Others of the church are joining them. There is a very large uh, apartment complex for low-income people, I think I'm right in saying that, in Arlington Heights, nearly 600 apartments. And we were told that there's something like an average of two or three children to every apartment. And Pastor Schaefer and Marge, on April the 7th, that is a Saturday afternoon, are beginning a crusade, I forget the name of it now, beginning a ministry in the Arlington Heights apartment uh, buildings. And we are hoping that in a very few short weeks, there will be hundreds of children hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in a very few short months, hundreds and hundreds of adults, moms and dads, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the newest outreach of our church, and I feel good that they have it in their bones and in their vision to do it. Praise God. God is bigger than our church. We must not rejoice only in what we've got from God in the Acts chapter 2 revelation. We must carry on into the Acts chapter 3. Well, what is the Acts chapter 3? Here we are, Peter and John, and of course the other disciples with them, uh, because the Bible says they were daily in the temple and house to house. Not only the apostles, but many of the people also were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Now, this story is filled with little nice tidbits. And I'm going to bring them to you. Little details. I don't think I will have the time to bring all of them, but we will attempt to bring as many as we can within the time given to us. Number one. This follows on from Acts chapter 2. Number one. Now, Peter and John. I can't go further than that without stopping. 
Peter and John. Those of you who have read the Gospels and have read anything regarding the personalities of the apostles, you will know that Peter and John were so different one from the other. Peter was always opening his mouth so wide that his foot got caught in it. I've heard so many people talk about Peter. I've heard preachers uh, uh, preach on Peter's uh, mistakes and how that he lost his faith and he sunk into the water. Do you know why Peter sunk into the water? Because Peter was the only one that jumped out of the boat. All the rest were concerned. They weren't going to get into the water, brother. They were sitting in the boat. But Peter, they, 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 don't seem to, they don't seem to mention, they've forgotten that the Bible says that Peter did walk on the water. Amen. Apart from Jesus, he's the only man that's ever walked on the water that we know of. Well, in the Scripture, we've heard some stories that may or may not be true. But in the Scripture, it's true. You see, Peter was that bumbling, fumbling, thank God for Peter. He, 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 he said it and thought about it afterwards in many ways. But he was a great fella. Don't waste your time finding fault with Peter. He was one of the greatest men of God that have ever lived. But then there's John. John, why his voice was never heard. In the upper room, we are told, on that night of the, uh, the, the, the night previous to Jesus dying, that John laid his head upon the breast of Jesus. What a nice, homey kind of a fella John was. Why, do you know that all the apostles, except John, were executed? Even they couldn't execute John. He was such a nice old man. They sent him to Patmos out of the way. John was that quiet, contemplative. He'd never offend you. Nice man, John. <laughs> Peter? Why, what a difference between these two men. But you will notice that the Bible says that Peter and John went up together. This is the great thing about the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Some people are always magnifying their differences. There's not a day that goes by that I do not stand here in the front of this church and pray for you. Oh, I don't pray for you personally. I mean, individually, I mention your names as they come to me, but I pray for you. I do not pray that there will be no differences among you as a family and as a, as a church. <clears throat> I do not pray that there will be no differences among us. That's foolish, stupid. Of course we have our differences. <clears throat> what I do pray is that our differences will not become divisions. Peter and John never lost their difference before Pentecost, after Pentecost, before the, the resurrection, after the resurrection, before the ascension of Jesus and after the ascension of Jesus. They were still the same personalities. They still were very, very different one from the other. But their differences did not, uh, did not become divisions. Their differences did not come between them. Here are these two men so very different from each other going up together. Uh, there are others, for instance, in the, in the apostles of the Lord Jesus. There's a man called Matthew. Matthew was a yellow streak backbone. What else can I call him? Anyway, he was hated by his fellow men. 
He was in the employ of Rome. He paid Rome a certain amount of money every year so that he could impose taxes upon his own fellow men. Oh, they hated him. Now, on the other side, there was a man called Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot was what we would call a red-hot communist, except that he was more of a nationalist. Anything about Rome... Listen, listen. Simon would have taken Matthew and wrung his neck and smiled as he did it. But do you know that Jesus called Matthew and Simon the Zealot to be his disciples? Their differences were recognized but were not, were not uh, considered worth becoming divisions. You see... There's an old saying that says, united we stand, divided we fall. Well, I do know that a church that's hoping and praying and desiring to move on in God must not be hobbled by the differences between them. Amen. I, I, I read last week or the week before somewhere, I was reading something and uh, it was something on the racial issue and this man said, God is colorblind. What a stupid thing to say. God is colorblind? Do you think God doesn't know the difference between green and black and, uh, and yellow and blue? God colorblind? How stupid do you think God is? God knows the color of your skin is black. God knows the color of my skin, if you want to call it white. He knows the color of our skin, but it doesn't make any difference to him. God is not the, the God of the black man and the white man because he's blind to their color. He knows if a man is, is this, that. How He knows our nationalities. He knows our color. He knows the differences in temperament. He knows everything about us, but it doesn't make any difference. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Praise God. They did not allow their differences to become divisions. I don't want to spend the whole, the whole, the whole uh, time for the message on this. But I do want to tell you, my dear friends, you have a right to disagree. You do not have a right to be disagreeable. You have a right to differ. You do not have the right to divide. If you want to go on in God, if you want to do the work of God, if you want to be part of the blessing of God, then you've got to be bigger than the differences that there are between you and your brother and whatever. Yes. In fact, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, they were all with one accord and all in one place. I'm sure that you agree with me this morning when I tell you that one of the biggest hindrances there has been to God moving in our world through the church has been the isms and the schisms and the divisions uh, that are existent in the church. Peter and John with all their differences, went up together to prayer. And I urge you this morning that by the grace of God, you harbor nothing in your heart that would even tend to separate you from your brother and sister in Jesus Christ. Now then, let's go a little further. They went up together to the temple. Oh, here it is at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. They went up together to the temple to pray. You see, it's not enough that the church physically 
get-together, that's wonderful. There must be this fellowship if the church is to know the power of God that is further on in this chapter. But there's something else beside the togetherness. There is cooperation with the will of God. It's all very well to get a committee and sit down and plan our programs and plan our plans and our purposes and set out our budgets. That's all very well. But a committee, however good the men are and the women, committees themselves without the anointing of the Holy Ghost are getting nowhere. If you want the blessing of God upon your life, you must not only know fellowship with your brother, Peter and John, you must know cooperation with the will of God getting up to pray at the right time. Amen. It's a sad thing. Because of its sadness, it must be said that there are very few people who really are willing to pray. I remember one time when I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I asked the people to pray for 15 minutes a day. And I remember a very lovely lady. She, she was a very fine elderly lady. She was then in her 80s. She came and said, but Pastor Owen, 15 minutes? I don't know what to say for 15 minutes. Oh, it's strange to hear a woman saying that, but uh, she said, I don't know what to say for 15 minutes. But you see, that's where it all comes down. I know that when you are making your supplications known, you shouldn't think them, you should say them. Jesus said, when you pray, say. But praying is not all saying. Amen. Praying is listening sometimes too. Amen. Praying isn't only telling God what you want him to do. It's sometimes giving God time to tell you what he wants you to do. And they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And so there was not only a coming together of people in, 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 in fellowship, there was a coming together of the people to God in cooperation, or cooperation rather, with the will of God, seeking what God wanted them to do. Oh, I'll tell you, friends, the, 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 the man who doesn't pray, well, I don't know what to compare him to. The man and the woman who, who doesn't pray is a weak, weak, weak Christian. You're never going to know the power of God in your life until you find it time in your life to set apart with God. They went up to the temple to pray. Prayer, the prayer meeting, is the Cinderella of any church you may go to. Now let's go a little further. And a certain man... Oh, my, we can't pass that. A certain man. Where's his name? I don't know. I'm glad his name isn't there. For had his name been there, he would have localized the whole thing. But his name isn't there. Just a certain man. Who is this certain man? Where will we find him? Outside the doors of the church. There's a certain man. His name, his person, represents the world that sits outside the church. Now I come back to what I tell you earlier. Acts chapter 2 is a very, very wonderful chapter. 
But we cannot stay with Acts chapter 2. We cannot, we cannot come to the end of Acts chapter 2 and become so subjective in our Christianity that we are the only ones that matter and our church is the only thing that matters. All we care about is building up our church. Outside the doors of our church is a certain man. When I was a youngster, we used to sing a hymn. Perhaps one of these days I'll get it and sing it for you. It said, don't you know the world is dying for a little bit of love? Don't you know that men and women are on the way to hell? I'd like, I'd like, I'd like if God would send us Jonathan Edwards, the great New England preacher, one of these days. He's been dead many years. When Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon on sinners in the hands of an angry God, it is said that people in the congregation literally clung to their seats and clung to the pillars of the church and screamed for mercy. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. It was he said, I haven't come for the well, I haven't come, I've come for the sick. There's a world, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. I'll tell you, but I don't know if I believe it. I don't know that any of us believe it. There's a world outside the doors of the church that are going to hell. Of course you believe in hell. That is academically you believe in hell. But I don't know that any of us actually believe in hell. If we did, we wouldn't be so, and I use the word again, subjective. We wouldn't be turning our fingers into ourselves. We wouldn't be sitting in our church with our folded arms, finding fault with every little bit of thing that didn't go our way. If we really believed in hell, we'd be doing something to stop people going there. They saw a certain man. Now, they hadn't seen him before. Not because he wasn't there. He was there. He'd been there for years. They'd brought him every morning. They'd taken him home every evening. They'd brought him again the next, every morning. And they, oh, they, they weren't, in the, they weren't in, the, in, in, in the temple very often, I know that. I mean, they, they, lived in, uh, they lived in Galilee, did Peter and John. They were fishermen from Galilee. And they, they, they didn't know much about Jerusalem until they came down there with Jesus. But they'd been there many times, despite that. With Jesus and since. They were daily in the temple. And yet they passed him by. There he is sitting, and every time they went by, he lifted up his little tin and, and expected something to receive off them, and they hardly noticed him. But this time, they saw a certain man. Isn't it amazing what the Spirit of God can do? Oh, God, I pray this morning. God, take our eyes off ourselves. The little non-essential things that take up the time and the money and the interests of the church when all the time there are men outside going to hell reaching out toward the ministry of the church. God, I pray, God, open my eyes, open the eyes of this congregation that we may see the certain man who needs Jesus Christ. Now, I know very well that the world has taken advantage of this. I know that the world says, and Christians say, that the church is the only army that's buried, it's wounded. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Oh, there are times. 
There are incidents that the church has buried its wounded. I know, I'm not excusing them. But on the whole, the church is the most caring area of society that this world has known. Go throughout the world and find the schools and the churches that are named after the devil. Go ahead. I'll tell you what the churches and the schools and the hospitals are named. St. Joseph, St. James, St. Mary, St. this, St. that. They are named after the church and after the Lord Jesus Christ. Go throughout wherever you will, throughout the church, throughout the world, and you will find the church has been and still is in the forefront of, of meeting the needs of men and women. And we will continue, I trust, to do that. They saw this man. But despite that, despite taking up the side of the church in what we have done to meet the needs of men and women, the fact still remains that by and large, the church is blind to the certain man. And I pray, God, open our eyes that we may not just see Jesus. We'll see the men and women that Jesus came and died for and rose again. There was a certain man. And uh, he was lame from his mother's womb. I guess that's one of the things that hold us down. We'll stop there again for a minute. You see, we say... Well, I'd like to help. I'd like to do something. What, what can I do? I'm, I'm, I'm one among so many. You know, we're like the apostles who said to Jesus with the loaves and the fishes. They said, what are these among so many? What can we do? Now, Peter and John could have looked at this man, and, and my goodness, he'd been there from the day that he was born. They could have said, Doctors have tried and everything's been done and nothing has succeeded. I don't know that we are going to succeed and they might well have gone into the temple. No, 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 no. Despite the enormity of the situation, they knew that there was power in the name of Jesus bigger than this man's sickness, whatever it was. Amen. I'm not talking to you this morning. I'm not talking to you about an ingrowing toenail. I'm not talking to you about a man who stubbed his toe. I'm talking to you about a man who was born with two club feet. I'm talking to you about a man whose ankle bones were made of chalk. He'd never walked an inch. He'd never made a step in all his life. I want you to see the enormity of the situation. I want you to see the greatness, the kneel in to us, the impossibility of the, of the case. So difficult. I know that you are saying, how can I affect a change? How can I do something? And you, 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 you were looking at your mountain, and it's big. You're looking at your valley, and it's awfully deep. And you're saying, how can I climb that mountain? How can I ford that valley? And because of the enormity, I use that word again, because of the enormity of the situation, because of the impossibility, you say, of the task, you turn away. 
Do let me tell you, friends, that when God is on your side, club feet get put straight. When God is on your side, chalk turns to bone. When God is on your side, it doesn't matter how big the situation is, how difficult and how impossible the task is, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ that's bigger than every mountain, that's deeper than every valley, that's wider than every ocean, and you will be more than conqueror through him that loved you. Sure, a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, Everybody said it's impossible. Everybody said he was born that way, he's lived that way, he'll die that way. Everybody that is except two men who had faith in God. He's still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Now then, let me just just close with with, uh, what they did. They said... Look on us. He gave heed, expecting to receive something of them. And that th- the world is. The world does expect the church to be different. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not criticizing the church. Indeed, I, I, I cannot stand those who always are. But it's true to say that the world is lifting up their cup And there are churches all over the place who would rather talk politics and social aspects than give give them Jesus. Some time ago, I was talking to someone about our church. And these people said to me, what our young people need is, they, uh, they, they, uh, this was about two years ago, They said, they need lessons on sex education. They need lessons on this and lessons on that. I know that's true, but I'll tell you, friends, number one on the list, what our young people need is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me, kids? It's not lessons that you need. You need the power of God. And they'll change you. And they'll make you different. But no, I wasn't going to say that. But what I was going to say was, They were expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Now, you've heard me say over the years, and I will continue to say it, that I think the King James Version has never yet been matched, not beaten, never yet been matched. And you people who say, oh, I can't understand the words, that's... Give your brain a chance. And uh, uh, everybody's seeking basement, you know, the cheapest way we can get. Uh, But anyway, having said that, I want to tell you now, I'm going to change King James. That's if if God doesn't mind. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I, I don't know. Some of you have got other translations. I don't know that this is in a translation. I'm not reading a translation. But I did read... In the original reading, it does not say, but such as I have, give I thee. From the time that I was a boy, I never could understand that. I could never understand Peter standing there and saying, I don't have silver and gold, but uh, such as I have. Well, 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 what is your such? 
such as I have, you know, I'll I, I, I go through my pockets. I look, see what I've got something to give you, you know, uh, uh, such as I have. You know, what, you, know, you, you know what that conveys to me? That such as I have. But I read that that's not really what Peter said. What Peter really said was, silver and gold have I none, but what I've got, not such as I have, but what I have. That's an amazing difference. He didn't say, I'll search through my pockets and see if I can find something. He said, I don't have silver and gold, but I've got something. Yeah. Hallelujah. I've got something. Do you think the church has become oblivious? Do you think the church has forgotten that the power that there is in the name of Jesus Christ is still ours for today? I don't know whether I sound too simplistic for you, but I do believe that if I could only, if I could only use the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to the degree that Peter and John used it that day, I believe that we would see miracles happening in our church today. If only I could get to know what I've got. And if only the church knew what it's got. If only the church knows what it has. Oh, if only we could begin to understand the power that there is in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen to what he told his disciples one day. He said, I want you to go and preach the gospel. I want you to know that I'm with you wherever you go. I want you to know that you're not on your own. And listen to what he says in this... Uh, 16th chapter of the Gospel of St. Mark. He said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. It doesn't matter how enormous the adversary is. It doesn't matter how high your mountain, uh, mountain is. It doesn't matter how deep your valley is. It doesn't matter how, how impossible your task seems to be. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel. He was talking to a bunch of people that had hardly ever been out of Galilee. He was talking to a lot of people who the Bible says they were ignorant and unlearned men. Now that doesn't mean to say they were stupid, but they'd never been to college. They were not uh, advanced in the learnings of this world. And he said to these who were mostly fishermen, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen to what he said, South Hills Assembly of God, listen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And then he said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Not these signs shall follow the ordained preacher. Not these signs shall follow the, uh, the classified uh, professors in our universities. Not these signs shall follow these who come out with cap and gown. These signs shall follow them that believe. Is the word of Jesus the word of Jesus or is it not? He said, in my name you shall cast out devils. In my name you shall speak with new tongues. In my name you shall take up serpents. In my name if you drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt you. In my name you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter and John said, we don't have any money to give you, but we've got something. Not such as I have. I always wondered why that tepid, sickly thing was there. Such as I have indeed. What I have, I've given you. And the church has got something. The church has something that no political, no economic, no social, no, 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 no power, no segment of society has power in the name of Jesus, baptized into the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, 
I, don't, I, I want to mention something about this power. What was it? Well, it certainly wasn't material power. It wasn't material power. Why? The church has become the biggest beggar in the face of the world. You can't, you can't, you, you can't go anywhere. You can't listen to any program unless somebody's begging money off you. Money, money. If we had money, we can do this. If we had money, we can do that. And that's true, of course. You must have money to do things. We must have money to run this church. But this wasn't material power here. This was not money. I mean, they said we don't have any money. So what do we do when we are broke? What do we do when we don't have any money? Shut up the doors. What does the preacher do when he can't get paid? Look for another church, I guess. By the way, I'm not going to another church. Uh, <laughs> and if I did, I wouldn't get what I'm getting here anyway. But uh, what, what, if we do, what we do if we do if we don't have any money? And then, of course, we must have a man who, uh, who, who meets all the qualifications. He, uh, he must... Well, that's it. He meets all the qualifications. They didn't have that. They had no money, so it wasn't material power. It certainly wasn't, if I can use the word, manpower. Because these men were fishermen. Peter and John. Uh, until Jesus brought them to Jerusalem, they never went anywhere from their Galilee hometown. They spent their time on the lake, fishing. They were unlearned, it says, and ignorant men. Again, I say, that doesn't mean to say they were stupid, but they were just ordinary fellows. It wasn't material power. It wasn't manpower. It wasn't any power except the power that there was in the name of Jesus Christ. And with this, I close. You don't have the money to do what you'd like to do, you don't have the education. You don't have the personality that you think calls. It would be nice if you had the money. It would be nice if you had that charisma of personality. But it doesn't really matter. What you really need, you can have. And that is the power that there is in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Thank God for Acts chapter 2. Thank God for being filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, fill this building with the Holy Ghost. Lord, fill everybody here with the Holy Ghost. Thank God for a growing, praising church. Thank God for Acts chapter 2. But Lord, let's go on to Acts chapter 3. Let's meet the men out there. Let's meet the certain men. Let's meet the need of the world. Lord, break down every division among us. Lord, bring us together a one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Keep us in touch with the head. Then the church around us, said a friend of mine in one of his hymns, then the church around us shall the impact feel of a church inspired and filled with holy zeal. Do you think I'll have the time to say, everybody looked at him and they saw and they wondered at what God has done. And when Acts chapter 3 comes to pass in South Hills Assembly of God, the South Hills of Pittsburgh will again wonder what God is doing among us. Hallelujah. Let's stand together.